Some people, maybe they think they've gotten as close as they, they want to get. I want to get closer every day. And I, I want to know him more. I want him to examine my heart. I want the Lord to look into my heart. That's what we do when we come to church. We give the Lord, whether we give it to him or not, he's going to take the opportunity to speak to us and to lay his finger on an area of our lives that needs to change. Hopefully he does that, right? We would really like to not remain the same. How many want to make heaven their home? Amen. All of us do. And you know, the Lord is after a clean heart in our lives. I want to minister along these lines. I want to preach a little bit on holiness, that we need to be people who are holy before God. What is the standard? How many know the standard is not a brother or sister in church? Sometimes that's a, that's a standard we we uh, use when we measure our lives and how good we are, how righteous we are, we look at other people sometimes. And instead of measuring ourselves against the Word of God and against what the Lord would, would measure us with, we look at somebody and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are. At least I'm not doing what they are. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. At least our marriage isn't as bad as their marriage is. Or at least I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing better than so-and-so. And so they become the standard of measurement in life. But I want you to know that there's another standard, and that's the Word of God. And, he, and, and the Holy Spirit is the ultimate. And how many know we need to get ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? We need to get ready for the rapture. We ought to be ready tonight. We ought to be prepared that at any moment... We could answer for our lives and stand before God. And, you know, I want to ask you this evening, what would you say is the condition of the modern church, the just church in general? Would you say that the churches are in general on fire for God? Probably not. Probably in, in America, that the church is on the decline. I would say it's on the decline. The general mood, the general uh, righteousness and holiness, of course, I'm not God. God sees every heart. But there is a, a, a lack of fire in the modern church, in the, in the contemporary ch church itself. But overseas, we see it growing. Overseas, you get into certain places where they don't have all the trappings of, and distractions that we have, and, and uh, I don't know what it is, but, you know, we've got, we've got great buildings. We've got, we got air conditioning here. Thank God for the air conditioning in this place. We've got lights. We've got chairs to sit on. But, you know, where, one of the places where the church is growing the fastest and the strongest is in China in a place where they're not allowed to have buildings like this. They don't have liberty the way we have. They don't have the kinds of accommodations that we have because the church in America is generally asleep. Generally, the church in America is missing out on so many things. And what is the church doing in the world right now? Probably not a whole lot. But we need to do more, and the church needs to wake up. There are several times in the Word of God where the Bible refers to these things. I'm going to get to my text here in just a moment, but in the parable of the, of the ten virgins, we see that the bridegroom is coming, and, he's, and, he's, and there, were, there were some that were wise, some that were foolish, some that were awake, it says, others that were asleep. 
And there are several characteristics of sleep. As you, sometimes you don't know you were asleep until you wake up. How many have ever no, noticed that? You just, you, just, you just nodded off for a minute. I don't want to say it, but maybe it was in church. The altar call came. And you bowed your head for a moment. Next thing you know, they're singing songs and you wonder, how much time was I out? Or you're sitting in class and you just fall asleep for a second and the bell rings. And you think, I didn't even realize it. I, I was out. I was asleep. And many times we don't know we're asleep until we wake up. We've all done this. The second thing is that you do things in your sleep that you would not do when you're awake. People have dreams. They, they, they do things, and, and uh, you know, some people, they, they snore like a freight train. They make all kinds of noise they wouldn't make if they were awake. Maybe when you're asleep, how many, know, how many hate the sound of an alarm? How many can, you know, I've seen these watches before that have just a, uh, you know, just a beep, 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 beep. I don't know how anybody could wake up to one of those little beep, beep alarms. My alarm gets progressively louder when I set it. And if you're like me, you don't have one alarm set. You've got, you know, one for 430 and then one for 440 and then one for 450 and then one for five. You, how, many, how many of you got more than two alarms set on your phone? Probably a bunch of us. But we don't like the sound of an alarm, and it bothers us because we, want, we don't want to have to wake up. We want to, we want to be able to sleep. We like that rest. But, you know, I want, the, I want you to know that the, the Lord intends to wake the church up. We need a wake-up call. We need an alarm to go off. We need something that's going to startle us, not ease us out of that slumber, but we need something that's going to shake us and get a hold of us, and that's what the Holy Spirit aims to do in our lives to shake us, to, to get a hold of our hearts, to, to wake us up to the realities of, of the condition of our own lives and the condition of the, of the world and the condition of the church. Let me tell you some characteristics of a sleeping church. One of those is an absence of conviction of sin. In a sleeping church, there's an absence of conviction of sin. There's a lack of the fear of God. How many know we need a healthy fear of God? We need to sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to welcome His impression upon our hearts and welcome Him when He, when he speaks to us. God forbid we ever get to a place when we're, we're no longer moved by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have a voice in our lives. Shame on us if we can sin and we don't feel the sting of that sin. We get into a service and we hear good preaching. Well, the Holy Spirit is moving in a service and we don't feel the sting of our own sin and our own failures. There's a day, I'm telling you, there's a day that we'll stand before God and we'll give an account for our lives. Maybe there's a lack. I'll tell you another, another uh, factor and another example of a sleeping church. We, we are no longer outraged by the, by the godlessness of of our world around us. Well, that's just the day we live in, you know, Pastor. We just might as well accept it. You know, we don't have to accept that sin is moving around us and it has invaded the world. We must take our stand personally 
And also as a church, that the, that the things of this world don't invade and infiltrate the church. Where we no longer think it's, it's wrong. And we don't care about consequences. That's why I mentioned the other night, if, you, if you're not married... You ought to consider getting married. If we, if, we turn, if we turn our heads and we ignore things, we're not helping people make heaven their home. Maybe it's watching pornography and even feeling justified in watching that pornography. Things aren't right at home. Things aren't right in my relationship or, or whatever the case is. I, many, many excuses, but watching pornography and feeling justified. Maybe it's a lack of integrity in finances. Let me tell you, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He, the, 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 the Lord is watching. There are always three witnesses, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Say, well, nobody saw it. God saw it. And he's the one that matters. He's the one that is watching. Maybe there's little concern. Another uh, uh, example of a sleeping church is little concern about people who are on their way to hell. Shame on us if we can just go through life and we never consider the, the fact that others are going into eternity without Jesus. That's a sure sign that we personally are asleep and the church is asleep. Maybe there's little concern about God's Word. Maybe there's indifference to other people, and, and we hold grudges and unforgiveness. All of these things are, are examples of a church that is, that is out of touch with what God wants. They're asleep. But I want you to know it's not too late for us to get a hold of God. And I want to minister along these lines. We need an awakening in our hearts. America needs an awakening. Say, so how is that going to happen? Let me tell you, it only takes one person. Just one person who will get on fire for God. One person who will begin to make their stand and begin to see their family, their friends, their, their co-workers. The way God sees them. Begin to to look at your own life say I'm not I don't care how the rest of the world is going to live I don't care how the rest of the world does it I'm not going to do it that way they can live without integrity I'm going to have integrity they can they can sleep around it's not natural it's not normal it's not right in the eyes of the Lord homosexuality is still wrong in the eyes of the Lord I don't have to accept all of these things and 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 drink the Kool-Aid of the rest of the world right I want to look at something here this evening that has everything to do with our destiny and where we're going and, and where we're going as a church and us personally in our own lives. It has everything to do with where we're going to spend eternity. I want you to look at Psalm 24. Turn with me over to Psalm 24. This Passage of Scripture has everything to do with growing closer in your walk with God. Growing closer to Jesus. And that's what we all want is to get closer to Jesus. This is critical. This is, this is, uh, this is urgent preaching right here. This is critical preaching for every single one of us. And it's important. Well, how you live, how you live your life is, is 
Very, very important. Not just how you appear to live in church, but how you live when nobody else is around. The decisions that we make, the kind of, of holiness, the kind of standards we hold in our own lives. Emily and I were talking this afternoon. We, it was about 20 years ago. We were in a, in a service in Brownsville, Florida, in Pensacola. And they were, we were in the service, with, and Steve Hill was preaching, and, and we'd heard several messages. We'd been there already several days. We'd gone down just to, to be a part of that, see what was happening, and all of these different things. And you might remember, some of you remember, the, the, the revival that was taking place down there. And there was just one thing that he said. There was lots of things he mentioned, but one thing that really caught both of our attention. And it was about the kind of movies that we would watch violent movies r-rated movies movies that were that were just not they didn't bring glory to god we didn't we didn't watch you know perverse things or anything but it was just something about the kinds of films that we would watch back then just just action movies and and different things like that and god dealt with us on that maybe he doesn't deal with others the same way he dealt with us but it, for us it was a it was a real conviction God really dealt with us on that. And you say, we both felt the weight of that. We both felt the, just the, the, the need that, you know, we, this is something we need to repent of, and we need to not go back to it. And it's not something that we just, you know, we said and it, it was for that moment, and it lasted for a few months, and, you know, we kind of went back to our, our ways. We made a commitment at that time. Something turned in our heart. There was a desire to be closer to God. And there are many, many services like that. And if we're, if we're listening to the Holy Spirit, He does something like that in, in probably most every service where we come and we're, and we're sincerely wanting to hear from God. Just about every time. It doesn't matter if, if it's pastor that's preaching. doesn't matter if it's maybe one of the disciples that's preaching. God knows the, the nature and the condition of our lives, and He knows how to put His hand and His finger on those areas of our lives that need to change. It's a correction. It's, a, it's out of love for us, not out of condemnation. God doesn't bring that. He brings conviction. The devil brings condemnation. It, it, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is there, and God lays his hand upon our lives. But here in Psalm 24, this is a psalm that is written as David is looking back on his time when he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and they didn't do it right the first time. He went and he saw that the Ark of the Covenant was, was there and, and the Philistines had left it. And they decided that they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant in the same way that the Philistines did. So they go down and, and uh, they take a cart and, and instead of carrying the, the Ark of the Covenant on the shoulders of the priests, which is the way the Ark of the Covenant was always carried, on the shoulders of the priests, there was protocol. They said, we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to build a cart, and this cart is going to, we're going to do it right this time. We're going, to really, we're going to really bring dignity here to the Ark of the Covenant. Let's build a cart. And they put this thing up on a cart, and they began to go with it. And as it's going, the, the one, one wheel of this cart kind of hit a rock, and the Ark of the Covenant began to slide. And there was a man. Does anybody know what this man's name was? Uzzah? 
His name was Uzzah. Uzzah reached out his hand, and he thought he was going to do something. He's going to steady the Ark of the Covenant. You know, he's going to keep it from falling off. Guess what? God didn't like that. God struck him dead right then and there. And you know what they said? We're not, we're not touching this thing. We're not carrying this thing any farther at all. And they left it at the house of Obed-Edom. And guess what happened when, when it was left at this man's house, Obed-Edom? Everything that belonged to Obed-Edom began to be blessed. And word gets back to David after some time. And so David goes and he, he, uh, he makes things right. But I want to look at this in, in Psalm 24. And it says in verse number 3, let's look at verse number 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob, Selah. He's looking back at this time, and this is the, the, the scripture that is re, as he's reflecting on this. Listen to what one man said about this, about this particular uh, uh, incident that takes place. Alan Redpath was his name. He says, the ark was nothing less than than the burden of the Lord. And the burden of the Lord was to be carried on the hearts of the Levites. We want God's presence very much, don't we? But we like to hitch his presence to some of our new carts. We like to add him to our list of organizations to load him on top of the mechanics of a busy life and then drive. How much of our service is really in the energy of the flesh, I wonder? So often we put forth our hands, but not our hearts. We put forth our hands to the work of the Lord, but somehow our hearts have never really gotten under the burden of the Lord, like the Levites, to carry it. Always it is a tragic thing to die under the judgment of God, but I suggest to you that the biggest tragedy of all was to die right next to the ark of God's mercy. It's pretty strong. You know what David is talking about? He's talking about how we approach God in worship. How do we approach God? You know, we ought to come into the, into the presence of God and desire to be changed. We ought to see things the way God sees things. We ought to pray that prayer, God, help me to see the, the, the things of my life the way you see them. I, I, I thought of another message, another title for this message. We could have called it Black and White in a Fifty Shades World. That's how we live. This, this world is a Fifty Shades world. How do we approach God? We know we ought to live our lives in a place of holiness. In a, in a place, and in 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 not just so that we just sense his presence when we come into church. We ought to sense and know his presence throughout the day. We ought to know his presence wherever we, when we get into our car. 
We ought to feel his presence when we're around the people at our, at our job because wherever, wherever we go, he goes. We don't leave him in the car and then go to work, and then when we get back in the car, you know, we turn on the Christian radio, now we're back in his presence. We ought, to, we ought to walk in the favor and the victory of the Lord and carry his presence wherever we go. How do we do that? How do we do that? We live, we live right. We, we let the Holy Spirit work in our hearts, and we allow him to change us, and then we continually talk with him and build that relationship with him. You know, God places high value on that. Thank God for his grace and for his mercies. You know, God's gracious. He's, he's a holy God. There are certain things, let me tell you, there are certain things that God sees those things. He doesn't see those things as gray areas. They are black and white. They're, they're boundaries. How many know boundaries are good? Boundaries are a good thing. In sports, they have, they have lines. And the referee sees you stepped over the line, you're out of bounds. They don't say, well, it was, it was a gray area. Nowadays, we've got instant replay. And it's clear whether the person was in or they were out. Imagine when we stand before God and we give an account for our lives and those that stand before the judgment seat of Christ and, there's, and, and their lives are replayed. None of us would want our lives put on display right here, would we? If we started just for the last six months, if we were to play back those questionable areas of people's lives, this place would empty out so fast. Maybe I don't want to see that. I don't want any part of that. Because there are clear guidelines and boundaries in the Word of God. In 1 Peter 1, if you're taking notes, 1 Peter 1 and verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Whenever you're in church, no, always. Whenever you're around Pastor Blake, no, always. Whenever your family is watching, no, always. In everything that you do, whenever you're on the job, whenever we're in school, when we're by ourselves, we need a lifestyle and a life that is pleasing to God. It's called holiness. Do we live perfect? No, we know, we know that we are not perfect people until this, this unrighteousness puts on his righteousness. And we, and we leave this earth. We deal with things. But, it, but the moment we do something that we realize and understand that is contrary to the word of God, that is the moment we repent. That's the moment we say, God, I'm sorry, I repent, and that means I'm not doing it again. Repentance means you, t- you go the other direction. It's a 180-degree it's a turn. The, the way you're going, you turn and go the other way. And the Word of God says, neither give place to the devil. That means you don't even open the door an inch. You don't give the devil an opportunity. You don't give him any, any uh, opportunity for accusation. Run from the devil. Close that door. Make a stand. Say, devil, I'm not going to be tempted. I'm not going, I'm not going to allow you to draw me into a place of compromise. He wants us to compromise. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy the testimony of the church. He wants you to, 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 to ruin the name of Jesus on your job. 
and among your family. And you know, guess that's what? The people are waiting for us to fail. They're waiting for you to mess up. Those on your job, how many know what I'm talking about? And you make your statement, you say, you know what? I'm a born-again Christian. I love Jesus. I'm going to make my stand. He loves to see people fail in that commitment and that decision. And there have been many. You say, oh, I'd never do that. I could never get caught up in that. You'd be surprised how many people have said those very things. And the devil found them in a, in a, in a moment of weakness. And he, if, he, if one thing didn't work, he'd try something else. And if that doesn't work, he tries something else. And he continues to, to, to check the weaknesses and, the, and the, 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 the holes in our armor to see, is there, any, is there any opportunity? Does he look twice at this? What is his price? What is her price? What will it take? Until he finds that thing. Let me tell you, we must make our stand. It says in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make it a priority. That means make it, make it a priority. Holiness involves how we control our thoughts and our actions. We have control. Don't say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make, make us do anything. The devil made me do it. That's not true. He tested. He tried. He, he was checking to see if anything was, if there was any opportunity. And we can fool a lot of people, but we cannot fool the Holy Spirit. He says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Listen to what it says in the NIV, 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, the spiritual realities are the greater realities. The devil is after our, our destiny. God has a plan and a purpose, but the devil also has his plan, and he has his purpose. And there's a scripture that says the adulteress seeks precious life. The adulteress, the devil, seeks precious life. He looks at us and he says, I see something that is, that is at work in that person's heart. I see there's destiny in their life. There's a, there's a harvest. After them is somebody else. There's a connection to the rest of this world. That means there's people that are, that are, that are in, involved in your life, people that you can touch that Will, will come to know the Lord, and the devil will do everything he can to interrupt that. Let me just speak to the young people especially. As school is about to get underway, there are all kinds of, of things the devil is going to throw at us. All, all kinds of things the devil will throw at your life. And you and I, you, you have, thank God I'm not in school anymore. I, I, I was glad to get out. Pastor Blake, how about you? I was glad to get out of school. But let me tell you how to make your stand at school. You've got to make your stand on the very first day. Don't wait till three weeks in. So, well, I'm, let, me get my, let me get comfortable here. You'll get comfortable in the way that everybody else is doing things. Say, so, well, what if I don't have any friends? You're not there to make friends. 
You're there to get an education. That's what we told our daughter. You're not there to make friends. You're there to get an education. You probably aren't going to remember these people. You're not going to see those people. Let me tell you, I live in the same town where I graduated like some folks here do. I hardly ever run into those, the people that I went to school with. They don't want anything to do with me anyways. I made my stand when I was in high school. I said, I'm going to live for God. They, you know what they did? They started calling me Rev. Oh, here comes, here comes a reverend. I was, just in, I was just in high school. But at least they knew who I was, and I, and I made my stand with them. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? You know, you notice the next verse after this. It says, who shall stand in his holy place? We're in, in Psalm 24. You know, it's interesting. It doesn't say the, the priest or the pastor or anybody else. It, who shall ascend into the, into the holy place of God? The next verse, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. In the message translation, I don't know if anybody here has the message translation, but listen to what he, how they put it in the message. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who can climb Mount God? Who can scale the holy north face, the hill of the Lord? Only the clean-handed, only the pure-hearted, men who won't cheat and women who won't seduce. God is at their side, and with God's help, they make it. This, Jacob, is what happens to God-seekers and God-questers. He's talking about having a reverence for God and having a right heart and a holiness before the Lord. Holiness. I'm not talking about the kinds of things that we've seen in many churches. And, and you know, you can't cut your hair. You can't wear makeup. I like what Pastor Jones said. For some women, it's a sin not to wear makeup. <laughs> That's harsh, huh? Well, you can't cut. Praise God. There we go. I thought you were coming up to play the piano. Yeah, well, you might as well just come on up and play the piano. Clean hands. Four things. Write these down. When you come before God, we need to have clean hands. That prayer room is open before the service. What a blessing to be able to come in, get on our heart, on our knees, and open our hearts to the Lord. You know, if you want to know what your desires are, what's the first thing that you think about when you get up in the morning? What's the last thing on your mind before you go to bed? Clean hands, a pure heart. You know, when, when uh, you go out to eat, how many appreciate when the server has clean hands? You, you, you just, you just kind of like that. You don't want to see them wipe their nose when they put your plate down in front of you. If they do that, I mean, no, there's a problem. You're thinking, hey, send that thing back. I don't want it. I remember eating in Kenya at a place called Pathway Hotel, and it was, 
in right near where we had our first church, a place I told you called Key West. And I was eating in there. I love to go in there and, and eat some madodo, some chapati. It was delicious. Some beans and some, some chapati. And I was sitting in there. It wasn't a very clean place, but I like to be adventurous when I eat. I, I can eat anywhere pretty much. As long as you got a Coca-Cola, you can eat anywhere. But I was sitting there eating my, my chapati, which is like a tortilla and some ugali, and a cockroach crawled on my arm. And you know what I did? I just flicked that thing off and kept on eating. Hey, it was the nature of the place. It was part of the experience. But while I was sitting there, I'm not kidding you, a cockroach crawled up my leg. And I smacked that thing, and it fell out, and I looked at it down there on the ground. I said, that's enough. I can't eat here no more. And I, I went back, and I knew the owner of this place, just a little, they call them hotels, but it's a, it's a little restaurant. And I, I went back, and I told the owner, I said, I'm not eating here anymore until you clean this place up. I just had two cockroach experiences, and I'm not doing it anymore. And they said, they said, Pastor, Pastor, please give us another chance. We'll call you back. You can inspect the kitchen, and you can look at it and see if everything is okay. I said, I'm not coming back until, until that kitchen is clean. And they called me back, and I did my inspection. I, I looked, and I looked in, the, in, the, in the cupboards. I looked all over just to make sure that everything was all right because we want it to be clean, don't we? I want to be in a church where there, there are clean hands and clean hearts. The second thing is that we're not preoccupied with the things of this life. We're not preoccupied with the things of this life rather than God. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. David is reflecting on that experience where they moved the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe we come into the presence of God on a regular basis, but we only come in to His presence for ourselves. We don't come into His presence. You know, I'll tell you, our, our church, we do have people that come. They've been coming for many, many years. They come in and they, they come only for themselves. And then they go out. You know, they're, they are, in a sense, their own idol. That their, their, their relationships, their relationship, it's, it's, a, it's an internal thing. You know, God called us to serve, serve each other, pray for each other, love one another, bear one another's burdens. You know, you can't, you can't even one another one another without having a, a, a heart towards other people. We can't do that in isolation, so we're not preoccupied with the things of this life rather than God. And then the fourth thing, have integrity. Have integrity. And you know, one of the surest ways to increase anxiety and depression in our lives is to spend all of our time looking at ourselves. Robert Murray McShane said, for every look at yourself, 
take 10 looks at Christ. But we need to have integrity. That means, that means we need to be honest. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, and then we're going to close our eyes in prayer. Philippians 2 and verse 12, he says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Did you know that we can close the gates of our heart with dirty hands, impure thoughts. Sometimes we wonder, why isn't God speaking to me? Why isn't God close as close as I once was with Him? There was a time when I was walking with Him. You might think there was a time when I, was, when I had, had relationship there. But why isn't God speaking to me the way He used to? Who can ascend into the, into the presence of God? Who can have the, the favor of God? But per, that person that has clean hands and a pure heart doesn't have idolatry working in his life. The chapter begins, it starts with them talking about how to get into the presence of God. Here they're bringing the ark into the temple. And what is it? What It ends... In Psalm 24, verses 7, verse 7, listen to what it says. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. So they're talking first about bringing him in and saying, who can have that kind of relationship? But it ends by saying this, who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. You know what they're saying? What's keeping the presence of God from entering my life? What's keeping God's presence from, from working in me? In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. They would build the temple. That's where the people went. In the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. A temple for his people, a people for his temple. He, this is, this is, he, he, he works on the inside of our hearts. He wants there to be holiness. Listen, we need a real revival in this nation. Where is it going to come from? Is it going to just sweep across this nation and, and it's just going to hit churches all over the place? I certainly hope so, but it's going to begin with our own individual hearts being right with Him. And we have a personal holiness before God. We say, yes, God, speak to me. Lord, don't stop speaking to me. Don't stop changing me. Don't stop convicting me. Lord, I will be obedient. Lord, I yield to you. I won't resist your correction for my life. Change me. Make me. Help me, God, to stay in that narrow way. Don't let me get caught in the, in the, in the traffic of what the world is doing and all these other things. Help me not to be sidetracked. I'm telling you, we'll make heaven our home, and we won't just make it alone. We'll bring all these others alongside with us. Because people are attracted to that. They're attracted to his presence. 
It's not us. It's him that works in us. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads all over this place. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, touch our hearts, change us, transform us. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see the urgency of this hour. God, help us to be men and women, God, that can hear your voice, that, that, that are tender. Holy Spirit, we're tender to your leading in our lives. God, I pray now across this place, across this sanctuary, that, Lord, you would speak a word in our hearts, in our spirit. Lord, if there be anything in our hearts, if there's any, anything in our lives that is lacking, any area of our lives that is, that is not right with you, God, I pray, speak to us tonight. I pray that you would change us and challenge us, God. Lord, we want to be holy. We want to be able to come into your presence with clean hands, with pure hearts. Clean hands and pure hearts. While our heads are bowed all over this place, I want to ask how many you're sitting here, you've heard this message. This is not, I pray, not just man's words, but God has spoken to us tonight. You say, Pastor, I know my condition. I know my heart. I'm not right with God. I'm not ready to stand before a holy God. I'm not ready to give an account for my life, but I pray that tonight I'll walk out of this place different than I came in. How many would lift up your hands? You say, Pastor, that's me. I need salvation. I need Jesus. I need to know him. Amen. I see this one. How many others? Raise it up and put it back down. You need God to touch you. You need, you need salvation. Praise God. I see these little hands. Praise God. How many others? Glory to God. Let's all stand together in this place. Let's open up these altars. Tonight, let's just take a, a moment to find a place, maybe at your seat or at this altar. Let's just begin to talk to God. Let's, let's not walk out of here with anything that is left undone in our lives. I can't, I can't judge. I'm not here to judge a person's heart. The, the Holy Spirit, that's His work. But mark it down. He looks at every one of us. He says, I can, I can help you in this. I'll give you peace. I'll walk with you. I'll speak to you. I'll order you and order your thoughts and direct your footsteps. And if we'll let him, if we'll allow him to do that in our lives, we will not be the same. We won't be a week or a month or a year down the road carrying those burdens. We'll be transformed and we'll touch people's lives around us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Baby.